Welcome back to CodingCat.dev, where we give you cats the freshest dose of dev snacks. Here is Alex Patterson and Brittany Postma. This episode brought to you by Storyblock. Build anything and publish everywhere. Welcome back, perfect peeps. Today I have a special guest with us. I'm going to get the inflection wrong, I guarantee it. So I'm going to say it's Angel. You can correct me, though. Angel works. Angel works fine. Hi, Alex. Uh, so we have Angel on to talk about his book that he's uh, releasing called Front Web Framework. Uh, sorry, Build a Front and Web Framework. There we go. Um, and kind of we're going to break down like why you're writing it and more about you and stuff like that. So I'm really excited for uh, for you to come on and, and talk with us about it. Yeah, excited as well. Can you tell me just, uh, can we break into your background a little bit and like what um, kind of the reasons that led up to making the book? I think it is because I am a very curious person ever since, ever since I was a little kid. I was one of those kids asking like lots of questions to my parents, like why these, why that, why, 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 you know, this, this kids. And my parents were nice enough to, to satisfy my, uh, all my doubts. Um, but I've been like that like forever. I always like to understand how things work. I always look under the covers. I always try to understand how things are done. And when I was a kid and I was given a remote control car, I would disassemble it, like play <laughs> with it. Maybe two days at most. I was bored already. I needed to understand what was inside. If anything had any electronics, I needed to disassemble it and understand what's going on inside. So I guess um, it all started when I was starting with front-end frameworks. I remember using Vue for the first time and feeling amazed. So actually, the first one that I used was Angular. But my curiosity started to kick in when I uh, tried Vue for the first time. And um, because I saw how the data would change and then immediately, like, the, the UI, what you were seeing, would reflect that change. And I was like... How did this happen? How is it so easy for me to implement an application and everything happen like this? Because it, it might sound stupid because most of the front-end modern developers take this for granted. But in the old days, I had to do all of this programmatically with JavaScript, um, writing a lot of, of code just to know when something changes. And then you had to go to the DOM, pick the right element, and, and patch the DOM yourself, right? So, uh, But now we take this for granted. Was, so, was your was your background like did you go to school to learn how to to go um, like in general or what what did that look like for you so I did study mechanical engineering okay. um, well it's actually industrial engineering which in Spain used to be a mix between mechanical electrical and a lot of disciplines together which is great because it's exactly what I like I like to be a generalist know a little yeah. bit of everything I don't consider myself a specialist on anything. And uh, so, but I, we were taught how to program in the first year and I fell in love with programming. So nice. I've been programming ever since. Were, were you writing uh, like C programming for engineering? We started with Pascal. Which, oh, wow. Okay. I don't know if people now know about Pascal, but yeah, I, I use Pascal. And then from there, I, I studied myself C, C++ and wrote lots of programs with C++. And, and then was Java and then a few others. But in the old days, I used C, C++, yeah. 
Nice. So, I mean, you had a lot of formal like language before you started in the front end. That's, it's kind of interesting to always hear people's journeys uh, as they kind of go through it. So, yeah. So back to your point on kind of the, the hardship, if you will, of people before frameworks, uh, especially before Angular 1 uh, came out or Angular JS for those in the know. Um, it was very difficult to update a lot of what was happening in the browser and you were having to do like, you know, document, find this thing and, and go update that thing. Um, so it's really interesting that you kind of attacked it in a different way. It sounds like you, you learned about the frameworks and started using them, but then you really needed to know more kind of getting back to that original statement about tearing everything apart. That's pretty cool. Yeah, absolutely. Like I, I know that when I was writing applications without framework, I did this. And now I'm using a framework and everything happens out of the book. Like yeah. I am missing everything in the middle. How did this happen? So I, I think I think people take it for granted if they've never like gone through the pain. And a lot of people don't. I, I spent years in my career um not understanding exactly what was happening. I just knew like this if statement made this thing happen and like it, it was just the way you learned. So that's really fun. Um I think we're going to take a quick break and, and jump into our, our sponsorship role. And then we're going to come back and talk all about like the process for writing your book. Absolutely. Great. How in the world could I forget about this? There's no need to freak out. We have Storyblock. Robert, you're right. But we still need a plan. Okay. How much time do we have left until the launch? 24 hours. Okay, let's go. We are ready to publish. So let's get this baby online. Thank you again, Storyblock, for sponsoring the podcast. Really appreciate it. Um, so yeah, diving back in, we're kind of at that point where like you were learning front end language, you've, you've learned, uh, it sounded like kind of Angular, you did some stuff and then you got into Vue and you're like, what is happening? So is that really ultimately what drove you to write the book? Uh, there are a few other things, but I think that's where everything started. Everything okay. started with me starting using Vue and saying like, oh my God, I need to understand how this works. And yeah, basically going, cloning the repository. Something I like to do, and when I come, sure. when I have time, I, I try to do is go all the way back to the first commit in a repository. Oh my goodness, that's crazy, right? <laughs> it is the best way to understand like what's the core behind um, the project, the, the framework, whatever. Because usually the first or first commits, they already have like the main idea there. Yeah. And then what I would do is go one commit um, after the next one, just looking at how things evolve. And that helps you understand how the author uh, was um, building that, that library, that framework, which is very interesting. I did that with you, started debugging, starting with that process. And I was amazed. So was it, was it Evan Yu's first commit that you kind of broke into there? Exactly, exactly. Wow, that's that's nuts. That's that's many, many, many commits ago. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So you do the the git log, but you reverse the order, and then the the first one you get there, that's the first commit ever. So you awesome. start with it. 
So at, at that same time, as you're kind of like getting into this and discovering this, I have to imagine like you're still working while you're attempting to, to break this stuff down. Are you, are you uh, fully developing on front end framework at this point? Um, I am working at a company, but not building a front end framework. Um, I am a full stack developer. Uh, so I only work on the book and on the framework that we write in the book on my free time after, well, it's usually in the morning. I wake up very early and I uh, write in the mornings because after working, my brain just doesn't work. Yeah, that's fair. So the, the interesting part for me, most people would just say, oh, okay. Like we're using a framework. I, I need it to do X, Y, and Z. And like, you'll learn the framework. sounds like you're kind of, that was frustrating for you and you wanted to take it a step further. So I'm kind of curious though. In what way did you learn like JavaScript? Was it you learned because of a framework or did you know JavaScript before you dove into anything? So the first time that I tried JavaScript, I was a very little kid uh, in high school. So we had this computer lab with the Macintosh. The Macintosh was like, it was super colorful. I don't remember it. No, yeah, like an Apple II maybe or something? Uh, I don't remember. It was in the old 90 or early 2000s, whatever, some, something sure, around that. Sure. We would search the internet. And again, I was curious to know how the web pages work. And I learned how to open the source code for the pages. And I saw the JavaScript and then I learned how to do very basic things. That was the first time. But then when I got into college and started uh, learning how to program, and then I started doing some small JavaScript things on my own. Um, and it was only then when I started uh, working as a software engineer that I started building real applications. But the first things that I attempted, uh, I never used a framework. The first framework I used was uh, much later, and it was Angular. I think it was Angular 4, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, so wow. Not that long ago. Sure. Okay, so that's that's interesting. I was kind of curious, like, the progression there. Um, and we always... We try to teach people that if you're just learning, like learn JavaScript first, because then you'll know like each framework's path and like why they did things the way that they did things. So it's kind of interesting to see it that way. Um, I'm going to bring up the book. Uh, maybe. Here we go. <laughs> um, so I want to show off just the cover and, and kind of what you're working on. And let's let's break this down a little bit so you can um, tell, tell the, the listeners on what your methodology is for creating this framework. Right. So the main idea of the book is that um, there are a few things that mostly all frame or front-end frameworks have in common, uh, architectural decisions, how things work internally, that I believe are super interesting for front-end developers to know about uh, for several reasons that we can go into. And in this book, I'm taking those parts and trying to simplify them as much as, much as I can and building an entire framework. Uh, we build it from scratch. Like uh, only in the last chapters, we use third-party libraries because in the last chapters, we do some advanced things and it would be crazy to do everything from scratch. But for the most part, we build a very simple yet functional framework. Uh, so to show what are the main ideas, the main concepts behind um, the big frameworks out there. So we are not trying to build the next uh, view or the next React. We're not trying to build something which is production ready, which is full of features and everyone can use. We are trying to understand, to learn, to be curious about how things work under the covers for these frameworks. And the methodology is that in the first chapter, I give you an introduction of what's going on. The second chapter, we build a very simple application with just pure JavaScript. Like we did in the old times, because that's how I started and how this book probably 
um, got born. And then in the next chapter, what we do is say, okay, what was the main point, pain point? We were writing everything from scratch and you needed to write like the business logic together with the code that manipulates the DOM. That doesn't scale. So let's try to abstract that into something that we call the virtual DOM. So we build our own virtual DOM from scratch. And then we need one more chapter to improve that virtual DOM and one extra chapter to add uh, state management to the equation. And those two things together, in just three chapters, you have your first version of a front-end framework working where all of the manipulation of the DOM is removed from you. And then every chapter onwards is just improving on what we have. And all the chapters, is, is, they start the same way. Like, okay, what was the previous main pain point? So far we have this framework, but you know, it's not easy to do this or that. So let's try to address that. And we keep building on top of it. Um, and by the end of the book, the, the framework that the readers are going to build from scratch, absolutely from scratch, uh, it's a very basic one. They can use it for their own projects. Um, it, it's going to work. But most importantly, it's going to be super fun to build. This yeah. is the, the main principle of the book. It needs to be fun because people don't write front-end frameworks just for, for you know, it, it needs to be fun. Yeah. And you're going to understand what goes inside a front-end framework, the big parts. I'm, I'm kind of curious. It just looking at like the breakdown of the chapters and things, do individuals need to understand or, or have knowledge coming into the book at all? Do they need to know HTML or JavaScript or anything when they first start? Yes, they need to know HTML, JavaScript, CSS, the basics. And um, I'm trying not to go too advanced on JavaScript. I'm trying to uh, write this book for most people doing regular front-end development, but that uh, they need to bring that um, before reading the book. Gotcha. And um, when we start to look at like the, the framework side of things, um, frameworks like Next.js or, or Vue or Nuxt um, more specifically, when we talk about JavaScript like running on the server, SSR, or like, um, you know, statically, do you get into like those nuances and what it would take to build a framework that can work anywhere? In the last chapter, uh, which is probably going to be a long chapter, so I'll probably end up splitting in two or three, we touch on server-side rendering and the rehydration algorithm, which I believe it's so important nowadays because it's in almost every framework, if not all of them. Yeah. That um, I think it's interesting that readers can build uh, one server-side rendering system of their own and they can understand what the rehydration is about and they do it. Uh, so we will cover that in, in the last chapter or chapters, depending on how uh, long that is. But absolutely, I believe it's super interesting. Yeah, it's, it's really an amazing concept. And it it kind of is interesting where we've, we've come. Like it, we used to just write straight up HTML. And then it was, uh, you know, a few dashes of JavaScript on there. And then we were writing full... Uh, server side like PHP type of um, programs and, and getting those pages out and then it, it's kind of had this massive shift when Angular came back and it was all pure client side um, and now it's it's kind of this mix and we're, we're finally getting into this distributed world so it's it's pretty cool to understand like the SSR and rehydration or hydration of things um, as they come up um, some of the interesting things that I don't know if you'll touch on in the book, but uh, like server streaming um, out to the client is, is really cool, too. I don't think we're going to have uh, room for it. Uh, yeah, that, that seems pretty advanced. <laughs> that would be so much fun to write and to read, probably. About, uh, I mean, that can be a good idea for a second book. Yeah, for sure. Um, 
So when when you sat down, is this your is this your first book that you're writing? This is the second, but it's very different from the first one. Uh, so it's the first book I write on on writing JavaScript applications. Sure. So when you kind of sat down to plan this out, um, what what was your mindset going into it? Like how how deep did you have to like teach people JavaScript first, or like what was what was that like to create the actual book? So one of the first things that I did is write down what are the qualifications of the reader that's going to read the book. And then I build on top of that. So I said, okay, readers um, coming to this book, they need to know this and that and that. So that's not something I'm going to cover myself because otherwise the book is going to grow a lot in size. So I'm going to take this for granted. And they are skills that mostly every front-end developer is going to be comfortable with. So it's not going to be a lot um, and then to plan the book, what I like to do is um, like sit down, take a pen and a paper, uh, no laptop, no screen, not, nothing. And then I try to explain what I want to explain to someone, to someone imaginary. Obviously, there's no one with me, but I try to like break down the concepts uh, so that um, imagining that I'm explaining that to someone. And that helps me a lot, like breaking down complex things into what is the natural order I need to explain things and how I'm going to tackle this and that. So that's usually what I do. Um, I did it for the entire book, but every time I'm going to start a chapter, the first thing I do is sit down and try to explain what I'm going to be writing in the chapter to my imaginary friend. And from that, I usually come up with a good way of explaining things. Nice. I really like that. That's really cool. Um, something for me, which I appreciate. I'm, I'm going to reshare my screen here. Um, I'm a very visual learner. So when when I'm reading, like the words kind of just get kind of messed up in my head and it's not really making sense. So I, I really love the fact like you have so much visualization built into the book too. Um, are these things that you had help with or are you having to make all these UML diagrams and things? I'm doing everything myself. Yeah, I'm drawing lots of diagrams, lots of diagrams. The last chapter I wrote, which is chapter seven, I use 30 diagrams because it's the wow. chapter where we start um, ex explaining the, uh, the reconciliation algorithm, which is complicated. Yeah. And the main concepts are broke them down into lots of figures and lots of explanations. So uh, it's digestible to the public. So... I think I'm the same as you. I like to have lots of graphics. I like to break down ideas in graphics. And I believe um, with a graphic, you can explain so much. Have Have you taken and um, like as you're building out this book, you're making graphics. Have you had any like aha moments yourself where you're like, I didn't know that? Lots, lots of them. Yeah. Like, you know, when you try to explain something to someone, which is basically what do, what you do when you write a book, you finally start understanding so many things that you thought you understood, right. but you force yourself to put them into words because our we, we tend to think in, like our brain works abstractly. And when you're trying to explain what it's abstract in your mind to someone with concrete words, you suddenly realize that maybe you don't know that as well as you thought. So it's a great exercise. And I'm learning so much myself by doing that. Yeah. Um, uh, so I, I've sat down to write like a JavaScript tutorial, but... Um, it's it's kind of interesting like as you're reading docs and you're diving further in of, of things that like you haven't realized um yet it, it's amazing what you take for granted too like especially in frameworks that you don't realize i'm kind of curious like outside of those aha moments did you have any anything 
from like the web API itself that you learned that you, you were able to like put into the book too? From web APIs, maybe not that much because I was uh, using them a lot before using frameworks. I was uh, doing all the DOM programming myself, but I had a few aha moments uh, during when I was creating the framework. So the first thing I did is create a framework of my own. And from there, I decided what uh, I wanted to uh, to use for the book and how I'm, I was going to explain everything, right? So uh, I thought I could build a framework. Like before I started, I was like, yeah, I mean, I've been reading, I've been uh, uh, looking at the code of other um, frameworks. I think I'm ready to make my own. And then you start coding and you're like, wow, I have no idea how to do this. Or I have absolutely no clue about how I should be doing this. And I had lots of moments like when I finally came up with a solution and I was like, oh, this is how it works. And then I opened the source code of all the projects. I compare what they did with uh, what I did. And I'm like, okay, now I understand why this works this or that all the way. So I had so many of those aha moments that that it's hard to choose one, honestly. That's crazy. What What's the framework that you typically compare back to? Is it usually Vue? I like Vue a lot, but then I found a lot of very interesting ideas in one that's Mithril. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing it right. Mithril. Mithril. It is very, very simple. It doesn't have a lot of code, uh, but it does mostly everything that a front-end framework does. Uh, and it was very fun reading the code, understanding how it works. And um, sometimes I went back to that one to see how they were doing things uh, to compare. Other times I went to view because what I'm doing in this book is I'm trying to find the simplest way one can build a framework. So I have to borrow ideas from this framework, sometimes for these other, sometimes I make something up myself. But the what I wanted to hear is build something that it's simple enough so a lot of people can um, understand what, what I'm doing and why I'm doing it. So I, I've been looking at a lot of frameworks, yeah. And for, for those people that are using frameworks regularly, would you suggest this for them too, just to like learn deeper into like how, how the VDAM works and how like nodes work and, and things like that? Absolutely. I would absolutely. I think this knowledge is essential. I mean, like you can program without knowing this, you can use frameworks. Uh, but it is going to give you a different perspective when you know what's going on inside. And sometimes you run into trouble. You need to troubleshoot things. Mm -hmm. And if you don't understand how the front-end framework that you're using works, it's hard. It happened to me multiple times, and that's uh, all the reason why I finally decided I need to learn what's going on inside you. Uh, it helps a lot. I think this is valuable for absolutely every programmer. And in the end, it's it's how these frameworks, most of them are working and how we used to work before frameworks. Yeah. So this knowledge, I believe it's fundamental. Yeah, absolutely. That's really cool. Um, I, I lost my question here. Hang on one sec. Um, yeah, so the other thing I wanted to ask, kind of like when you're, when you're building a framework like this, it's often... Uh, difficult to kind of see results in a book, right? So are there um, GitHub repos or anything that are associated as kind of you're walking through it that a, a person follows along with? Yeah, there is a GitHub repo uh, that it's public and that it's halfway through. Like I am working in this repo the same way that we typically work in, in the software industry. So I open pull requests for every chapter. In the pull request, I have the changes that go into each chapter that it also helps me build the listings for the chapter. 
because this is um, not something that uh, we build different things on every chapter. So we build something and then the next chapter we improve on it. And the next chapter we um, go back and improve it even more or add this and that, right? So it's super incremental. So the open source repository is there for everyone to not only see the final code, but you can find all of the listings and you can also see the progress. So you can go at the commit history and you'll see all of the pull requests that I'm merging in order so I'm also adding tags. So in case you want to check out the tag of a particular chapter to see what's the end of the, that chapter, to see the framework uh, by the end of the chapter, you can also do that. So I'm trying to be very careful with the history in, in the repository so that readers can yeah. follow what I'm doing. Sure, that makes sense. Uh, we'll, we'll add all of those links to the, the description on the page too. So perfect. Um, I, I'm kind of curious, do you think with all of your knowledge you've built up at this point, would you write your own framework? Would you ever sit down and say, I'm going to take on SolidJS and Quick and all these new ones coming up? Or do you think it's just such a task that that's probably not something in your future? I don't think I would. It is a lot of work. Um, the frameworks today are super complex beasts. They have lots of features. They have lots of nuances. And you have to be super motivated to do that yourself. Like uh, there are some very good frameworks like Vue with Evan Yu or Svelte with Rick Harris that they started uh, the, the framework themselves. And once the framework was um, known in the community and lots of people were using it, uh, then more people started to contribute to it, right? So in the beginning they were simple, but now uh, they have some teams behind them and they have turned those um, frameworks into really complex and, and really useful tools. Yeah. So to do that myself from scratch, I would need to learn so much and I would need to be so motivated. And again, I'm a generalist, so I'm the kind of person who, uh, instead of spending time learning absolutely everything that goes into a perfect framework, I prefer to spend time learning about, I don't know, something else. What yeah. goes inside a database? I, these days I'm super interested. Uh, there's an explosion of databases. Like, there are yeah, so many, and they work so differently. And I also enjoy opening the source code and sometimes trying to understand how databases work. So I'm, I'm going to probably spend time learning some other thing um, instead of just getting so deep so that I can uh, build another framework. Nice. I love it. Uh, anything else I'm, I'm forgetting to ask about the book itself? Um, about the book? Anything that might have went into it? Mm. I think we I think we hit a lot of the big points. I just want to make sure there wasn't something like he's not asking me this. No, no, no. I think we covered um a lot of very interesting things. I cannot come up with anything that I feel it's important. So okay. I guess we're well I'm I'm definitely excited um to for people to check out the book. Um I'll probably move this segment. So editor, pay attention. Um what we want to also announce is that I do have uh, some codes. So when we release this episode, you'll be able to get the book at a very discounted price. Um, I can't remember if I have one free one. If not, we'll make that happen somehow. So one lucky person could, uh, could get the book. But I've read through uh, a portion of it so far that's published. I really enjoy it. So it's, it's really cool. Um, last but not least, what we're going to do is the thing that we call perfect picks. And I, I threw Angel for a little bit of a loop on this because it always kind of strikes somebody. And he has a really cool pick. So I'm going to put that up. Tell me all about this. So this is a book 
that someone recommend me some time ago. And it's I, called Fermat's last theorem. Correct. Okay. Correct. And um, I was like, ah, I'm not sure this book is for me. But then I was in a bookstore and I saw it and I didn't have any other option. And then I said, I'm going to take it with me. I don't expect anything from this book. So I'm just taking it and we'll see. But then it's one of the best books I've ever read because it blew my mind. Like it is based on a true story about Fermat. I'm a French mathematician. Well, he, he was a mathematician, but he did math on, on his free time. That uh, in in the in one of the books he was reading, he uh, put one equation, and he said that he had a proof for that. But the proof was very elegant, but he didn't have space to write it in the book. So what happened is that mathematicians for a couple of like I think dozens of years tried to demonstrate that, but no one ever uh, demonstrated that that theorem. So, but there was one guy, one English person, I forgot his name, that uh, after 15 years of trying, he finally demonstrated the theorem. So there's like a lot going on in the story. It is extremely fun and it is one of the books that surprises me the most. So what I like about books is that they surprise me. Yeah. So I like to take a book, not expect much from it, and then boom, you get mind blown by, by something you didn't expect. So this was my, uh, this was the book that, uh, that mind blew the most. And I really, really love it. And I think um, I definitely recommend it for everyone. That's really cool. So am I getting it right? Like he wasn't able to put the, the theorem into the book and then he passed away? He or... put the theorem... But theorems need a proof, right? A mathematical yeah. proof. And he said, I have the proof, but, you know, it doesn't fit here. So I'm, I'm not putting it. And my proof is super elegant. Um, and the equation is extremely simple. So simple wow. that when you look at it, you're like, I mean, come on, this has to be easy to prove. And then the best mathematicians ever in history, including Euler, and the big ones tried and failed. Like, wow. we're talking about the greatest mathematicians ever, and they failed. And they were like, look, Fermat was lying. This cannot be true. He he didn't have a proof. He was lying. But then it took 15 or so years for this Englishman to demonstrate the, the theorem finally. And the demonstration had like, I think, 500 pages of math, something like that. Wow. It's crazy. I, I, I heard that only three or four people on earth have been able to follow the, the proof and, and say it, it's it's solid. So it's it's mind-blowing. It's mind-blowing. It's like a Goodwill hunting story right there. It Holy is. Smokes. Uh, cool. My pick's not nearly that powerful or interesting, but uh, I've I found it kind of cool. Um, so we were, we were talking at work the other day about how you can write some like Chrome extensions and things like that. And um, one of my colleagues is working on a really neat one. Um, I, I don't want to give it away just in case he's like surprising people about it. Um, but he's like, hey, I'm using this thing called Plasmo to create it. And it's like this full development framework for browser extensions. And I was like, wow, that's really cool. So uh, I checked it out a little bit. It's, it's really neat. I haven't had time to dive into it fully, um, but it is a really easy way to like kind of snap into that like programming language and put something out there really simply. So definitely check it out if you're interested at all about browser extensions. Nice. Thank you so much for coming on and sharing your book with us. Um, I know like it's still kind of in progress. Is there like a hard date that we, we have or is it kind of like 
you'll get it. It's electronic. And when I get done, I get done. Uh, well, I have a date, but I forgot. Okay. But for sure, there's going to be minimum one chapter per month. Minimum. Uh, I hope to have more than one. Uh, but so, yeah, you, you have lots of content to, to read and, and lots of code to write and, and lots of fun for sure. Nice. Yeah, I know the like final product expectation of publication is um, spring of 24, but there's so much there already. Could be, could be, nice. yeah. Could okay, be. cool. Well, thanks, Angel. I really appreciate you coming on and sharing your book, sharing your book with us. Thank you for having me. It was really fun to be here with you. Take care. Take care.